Good morning, church. In the year 2002, my friend uh, Dr. Richard Ramesh, who teaches at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, he invited me to speak in a reconciliation conference in Mozambique. Mozambique is a country next to South Africa. And so I was speaking in English, and I had an interpreter who was speaking in Portuguese. And when I introduced myself, I said, my name is Faustin. I am married to one wife, and we have four children. And my interpreter didn't listen well. He said, I am married to four wives, and we have one child. <laughs> well, I'm married to Salome, and the Lord has blessed us with four children. And we actually have two grandchildren. And Abby, our second grandchild, was born two weeks ago. Thank you, there is a photo for Abby. Yeah. <laughs> and Abby is doing well. She's really um, our joy. I want to appreciate uh, Pastor Brian. Um, I invited him to train pastors in Kenya some years back, and they really loved him. He connected so well with them. They didn't want him to come back. And I want to come back to Africa and bless my people again. Um, I'm trying to negotiate with Erica so that Erica loves him. And uh, the entire leadership of uh, the Free Christian Church, uh, thank you so much for um, giving me this opportunity to minister, to interact with you, to build a relationship. That's what I am here for, for these weeks. And so I'm here for the Word of God, and uh, I would like us to read actually from Ephesians 4.32 in addition to the passage that uh, our brother read. And so we read Ephesians 4.32, and then we read Philippians 4.2-3. Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And I will read again the passage of um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And again, it says, I urge your dear and I urge Cynthia to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Shall we pray? Father, this is your word. We pray that your word will transform our lives and it will heal our wounds. Give us an obedient heart to receive from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, I have been involved in the Ministry of Reconciliation for the last 24 years now. And I want to tell you that uh, it's not an easy task for several reasons. But one of the reasons is that uh, sometimes those in conflict could put on mass either to please the person who is mediating the conflict 
or even to appease one another so they may end up like politicians to speak long speeches or to shake hands but when they leave there is nothing that has changed in their hearts true reconciliation takes place when first of all a miracle has taken place in the hearts of those in complex and that miracle is forgiveness because it's only forgiveness that can bring healing forgiveness is a liberating power a liberating power not just for the victim but also for the offender in fact i like this philippian chapter 4 verse 2 where paul does not mention between the two sisters who was the victim and who was the offender they both needed healing because forgiveness is a liberating power not just for the victim but also for the offender and the issue of forgiveness is part of my passion because of my life in the past and I want to share with you three experiences that have made forgiveness be part of me to be my passion Number one, I can truly say that forgiveness is a liberating power because I've experienced forgiveness of my sins at the cross of Jesus Christ. Without that, I don't even have an authority to stand before you and share anything about forgiveness. But I have experienced that forgiveness, and so I can say for sure that it's a liberating power. Let me share with you how Christ forgave my sins, and I was liberated, and indeed liberated. I was born in a family that uh, did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, my dad was priest to the ancestors. We were eight children, I was the seventh child, and for reasons I don't know until now, my dad had chosen me to be his heir in sacrificing to ancestors. Very scary. And so every time my dad would slaughter a goat to sacrifice, I was the one to lay hands upon it. That was a sign of dedication of the goat to the ancestors. Then my dad would kill the goat and I would roast some meat and put some in small huts behind our main house. And so I and some other young boys would see when dad was not around, we would sneak in the huts and eat the meat. And when my dad would come back and find the meat gone, he would call me and say, son, come and see, the ancestors have eaten the meat. <laughs> So I would keep quiet so that he doesn't beat me up. <laughs> so that continued. But time came when my dad got sick and my mom called other priests. I remember they slaughtered a big bull. And despite that, my dad passed away. And that was a paradigm shift in the life of my mom. She began questioning all these issues of sacrificing to ancestors. 
as she was going through these philosophical questions, Baptist missionaries came to the village. They preached the gospel. And my mom understood that it's not the ancestors who are mediators between man and God, but Jesus Christ. And my mom surrendered her life to Christ. She became a Christian. This is the woman who raised me up. She would take me to Sunday school. I went to a primary Baptist church which taught the word of God. I went to a secondary Baptist school. I was a nice student intellectually, but all of that was at the head level. It didn't translate into the day-to-day -day life. When I was a teenager, I decided to be a member of the choir. I was singing, friends, people, they wanted to listen to my bass. My bass was amazing. <laughs> but my singing was an intellectual exercise which did not translate into the day-to-day -day life. I just lived my life as a young person with all the pleasures of the world. And time came, I said, well, it would be cool for me to be baptized. I went through the teaching. The day of baptism, I remember that was December 19, 1978. The preacher spoke from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything is new. Hmm. That is the verse that uh, transformed my life. When I, he made the altar call, I examined my life and I found that uh, although I was going to be baptized into what I was still an old creation, that day I decided to surrender my life to Christ. I confessed my sins and Jesus forgave my sins and I became free and free indeed. Hallelujah! I can say for sure that forgiveness is a liberating power. Because at the cross of Jesus, he forgave my sins and I became free. I became liberated. You know, sometimes I speak about amazing grace because for Stan, who was being prepared by my earthly father to be priest to the dead spirit, God, my heavenly father, changed me into the priest of the living God. It's amazing grace. Forgiveness. It's a liberating power because I have experienced that at the cross of Jesus. The second story is that forgiveness is liberating power for the victim. I told you about my mom and how she became a Christian. She had a good pastor who discipled her. In one year, her faith had really grown so much. She loved the Lord. She followed Christ without turning back. But after one year in her faith, my mom went through trials. Four of us were given poison by people in the village who hated my family. We were given poison. Myself, my young brother, my older brother who was engaged, and my older sister who was engaged. We all got sick. We took herb medicine and it, it only worked for me. Only me would throw up. It didn't work for my siblings. So what happened that on a Monday, my young brother passed away. 
On Wednesday of the same week, my older brother passed away. I didn't see their body because I was down too. On Friday of the same week, my older sister passed away. God gave me grace to see her body. I vividly remember my mom very tired with red eyes, her hands on the head. I can remember that at the body of my sister. In Africa, women do not speak at the funeral. But my mom was a very courageous woman. She told the elders, I want to say something. And because my dad was no longer, and my mom had lost her three children the same week, the elders allowed her to speak. She said, I know those who have killed my children, and I have a solution for them. So those from far away, they came closer because they thought my mom was going to say, I'll send a vanda to kill them, I'm going to revenge. They wanted to hear that solution. My mom said, Last year, I accepted Jesus Christ who died on the cross where I was to die. And Jesus forgave my sins. And my mom said, for the sake of Christ, I forgive those who have killed my children. People said, mm, 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 mm. she's out of her mind. Let's continue the work. Friends, my mom was not in defense mechanisms. She went through the normal grieving but she had decided in her life to forgive those who had killed her children. She let it go. My mom passed two years ago, but I tell you, she lived a life of a legacy, a life of forgiveness and reconciliation. Every time I would visit my mom, she had two messages to me. My mom would look at me and say, son, I don't know those countries you visit, Kenya, Uganda, the US, and so on. But something I know is that uh, when your siblings died, God spared your life for a purpose. And my mom would turn to me and say, son, always serve the Lord. Always serve the Lord. Every year I would meet these two messages. The second message, my mom would ask me, son, do you remember what I did to those who killed your siblings? She knew, I knew, but she wanted me to repeat. I would say, mom, you forgave those who killed my siblings. And my mom would turn to me and say, son, always forgive, always forgive. My mom is my hero in the ministry of reconciliation. She forgave and she was liberated even as a victim. Friends, forgiveness is a liberating power, even for the victim. The third story is that forgiveness is also a liberating power for the offender. And I want to use the example of the genocide. During my ministry, I've seen many people in the jail who committed atrocities, the offenders, being liberated through forgiveness. When the genocide took place in April 1994, 
My wife and I and our four children were in Rwanda, the capital city of Rwanda. It was a time of spiritual fear that I have never experienced in my life. My family spent 26 days hidden under the bed for the fear of being killed. Within 100 days, 800,000 people were killed. Were killed by their neighbors. It was very sad for me because I was then a pastor. And statistics showed that at that time, 82% of Rwandans were believers. Believers killing each other? Well, the church in Rwanda had done converts to Christianity, but not disciples of Jesus Christ. Because a disciple laughs. A disciple does not kill the neighbor. And it was very shame to the church because as the so-called Christians were killing each other, the Muslims were protecting each other. Very shameful to the church. It was difficult for us. I don't want to go into details, but God saved our lives through two means. Number one, God appeared to me in a dream, and the Lord said, Foster, you leave this place or you die. I discussed with my wife, we prayed, and the following day it was confirmed by a friend who came and said, Foster, you are still here? Something worse is being prepared. We took a risk to go. Many people died. God, who had won me in the dream, he protected our family. When we were about to reach the most sophisticated roadblock, the country was in the hands of militia. God sent a military vehicle, and there was a woman in the army, a major. She was a major in the army. She stopped the vehicle and said, stop the car. This man, I know him. He's a pastor. He preached the gospel when I was there. Well, I used to preach, but when did I preach when this woman was there? I don't know. But that is how God spared our lives from the genocide. When we have time, I will give you details. But after the genocide, God called me for the ministry of reconciliation. I was telling my friends who I met how the rounders who are in Minnesota, they helped me go through trauma healing. They trained me. And I have seen friends, many people who committed atrocities during the genocide beg the government to leave and go to the village to ask for forgiveness so that they may be liberated and go back. By the way, I want to mention something. Forgiveness does not remove the consequences. So all these people in the jail, they would come back to the village to ask for forgiveness so that from within they may be liberated. Then they go back to the jail to finish their the consequences. So forgiveness is a liberating power for both the victim and the offender. Now, let's go back to the passage that we have read and see a number of lessons. Well, friends, Paul in Ephesians, Paul in Philippians, he's speaking to believers washed by the blood of Jesus, saved by grace through faith. Well, 
I want to tell you that uh, conflict will always be there. It's the dynamic of life, the dynamic of relationships. In fact, if conflict is well managed, it can lead to change. Those who are married, and you know, my wife Salome and I have been married to, uh, to each other for the last 32 years, you know. If it were not that uh, she forgives me, I'm always going to beg, and Salome, please forgive me. We would not have managed to live together. But you know what? The conflict that we have when we deal with it positively, you know, reading the word of God and forgiving each other, it helps us to change, to love even one another better and to know how to even help one another. And so conflict is dealt in a positive way, can be constructed. Number two, it's amazing that the verb that is used in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 has the same root as joy and grace. I love this. You know, without forgiveness, you know, you live in, in bitterness, in anger. If you are a victim, if you are the offender, then it's shame and guilt. Without forgiveness, friend, there is no joy in Jesus Christ. But you know what? Forgiveness is also defined as grace. It's grace. It's a free gift. When God forgave me, when God forgave you, it's a free gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift that we receive. So forgiveness is a free gift to someone who actually does not deserve it. And the verb in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, is in continuous form, which means believers are called forgive and forgive and forgive, which means for disciples of Jesus Christ, forgiveness actually is a lifestyle. It's a habit. We are called forgive and forgive, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. And our model of forgiveness is found in the way God forgave us in Christ because God forgave us even when we had not asked him. Forgiveness was unconditional. And that's very important. You know, if I offend my brother, uh, Pastor Brian, and uh, he thinks that I should come to apologize, then I run in the forest of Congo for five years. <laughs> Who will be suffering? He will be drinking poison, thinking that the poison will kill Foster, but the poison will be killing him. We need to forgive unconditionally so that we may be um, liberated. And forgiveness, friends, is not forgetting. You know, sometimes people are, oh, forgive me, for, for, forget. Forgiveness does not you know, erase the memory. My mom, until she died, she could remember those who killed her children. But she was not bitter because she had let it go. She had given them a free gift. You don't forget, but it's no longer painful because God has already healed you. The Holy Spirit has done a surgery, an operation in the heart that has healed you. And forgiveness is actually a must for every believer. I wish I had more time to 
give the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is about building a relationship, no? But forgiveness is about the healing of the heart. When I began, I told you about this. And so forgiveness is a must. Even the, the Lord's Prayer, if we don't forgive, how do we expect that our Heavenly Father is going to forgive us? It's a must for every believer of Jesus Christ. Now, coming back to the peace of Paul to the uh, Philippians with our two sisters who are in conflict, once forgiveness then has taken place, those who are in conflict should restore their relationship and live in harmony. And that's what Paul is asking these two sisters, that they need to forgive each other and live in harmony, work together again, build a relationship. And that's very, very important. But as I said, if they do that just by shaking hands without forgiving each other, then it's just a ritual. And the church has the mandate of helping those who are in conflict. And Paul is saying, you cannot see it. You need to do something to these two sisters who love the Lord, but they have conflicts among them. You need to help them. You need to mediate they are confident so that they may live in harmony because if they don't, it can even affect the whole community, the, the whole church. You will ask me, what if someone refuses? Well, if someone refuses, you've done your job. If you want to reconcile, you go to apologize, someone refuses, you've done your job. You've done your job. Leave it to God. Love the person and keep praying for the person. Because forgiveness is a miracle. We don't have power to convince someone to forgive. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As I said, it's a surgery that God does in our lives. As I finish, let me make the applications. Friends, unless you have experienced forgiveness, it's difficult to offer actually forgiveness. And we receive forgiveness not because we know a lot. I knew a lot. Not because we do a lot. I was doing, I was singing. But that did not give me salvation. I received forgiveness of my sins when I decided to confess my sins and to put my faith in Jesus Christ who died at Calvary on the cross because of my sins. And today you may have probably been in church for long, you've done many things, but if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, today, Christ can give you a free gift of forgiveness, which is liberty. But probably you've been offended in many ways, you've lived in, with bitterness and anger. I want to urge you to ask the Holy Spirit to do an operation in your heart to heal you. I want to add you to forgive those who have hurt you. Because forgiveness is a liberating power. In marriage, I know we have many issues. Go and talk so that you may forgive each other. In family, you have issues. In the community, you have issues. Forgiveness is a liberating power for you if you have been offended. If you live with bitterness and anger, it's a poison. Let the solution and instead of the poison, let him give you joy and peace. Forgiveness is a liberating power for the victim. And if you have offended the others, 
you are still living with guilt and shame, ask the Holy Spirit to give you courage to go and ask for forgiveness. Because forgiveness is a liberating power. It's a liberating power for both the victim and the offender. I love you. God bless you so much.